Welcome to our Voices of Africa podcast, brought to you by Africa Practice, a strategic advisory firm supplying insights and advocacy solutions to corporations, investors, governments, and foundations in Africa. In a world with complex and interdependent challenges, we take the guesswork out of business engagement. We enable our clients to see more clearly in order to drive sustainable and equitable development. Hello and welcome to Voices of Africa, a podcast in which I get to speak to individuals who are transforming African societies, either through a combination of innovations or the efforts they're making to change systems or deliver goods and services to previously underserved or excluded communities. Today, I'm joined by someone who fits squarely into that category. It's Jean-Claude Chipama, and he's speaking to us from Kinshasa, the capital of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Jean-Claude, welcome and hello. Hello. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for inviting me. I know it's taken us some time to get this date in the diary. So thank you very much for being with us today. I've been excited about the prospect of speaking with you. So you're currently based in Kinshasa and you are deputy CEO of Equity Bank's subsidiary there, which is called, of course, Equity Banque Commerciale du Congo. I think you're the second largest bank in the country now, so a significant operation. And as I say, you're the deputy CEO there. But that's a relatively new appointment, isn't it? It's one I think you took up last year in 2021. Jean-Claude, for the benefit of our audience, please introduce yourself, your nationality, where you grew up, what studies you pursued, and the career trajectory that you've taken, which has landed you now at EBCDC in Kinshasa. Thank you, Marcus. My name is Jean-Claude Chipama. I'm Congolese. I'm born here in Kinshasa in the DRC, in a city called Lubumbashi, in the south of the DRC. So I went to school in Lubumbashi, part of the schools in Lubumbashi, and then I did my university bachelor in Kinshasa in business administration. Then I got a master's degree in economics with a major in international trade. So then I pursued my um, studies in Canada, where I got the MBA, Master in Business Administration from two universities, University of Montreal, uh, in the business school called HEC Montreal, and also McGill University. So this is from a studying point of view. I started my career with a telecom company called Celtel as a sales representative, then a sales coordinator, and then commercial manager, then commercial director. In the DRC, sooner I went to Kenya, to Chad, and also to Zambia, spent eight years with uh, Celtel. In 2005, I moved to Jamaica for for digital group as a head of sales and distribution. So I spent half of a year in Jamaica, Kingston, then go to Haiti when we launched the operation in Haiti in 2005. So spent three years there from uh, scratch. We launched the operation up to 200 million US turnover per year. So it was a successful operation. Then in uh, 2008, I came back to Africa in Senegal for Microsoft as a distribution director based in Senegal. Then Côte d'Ivoire, I was in charge of 19 French-speaking countries, 
So I spent a few years with Microsoft, then go back to Digicel in the Pacific, based in Brisbane in uh, Australia, looking after uh, Papua New Guinea and uh, Fiji and Samoa in the uh, South Pacific region. So in 2012, I came back to DRC as managing director for Canal Plus, the French uh, pay TV operation. So I had up the operation for five years. That was a great experience because um, from telecom to entertainment, but with the distribution, marketing, and technical uh, skills required to run the operations. 2016, I launched a clothing brand with my wife. The operation is based in Montreal in Canada. In the meantime, I joined Utelsat, the third largest satellite operator in, based in Paris. There I was uh, the CEO looking after the broadband operations business unit in the DRC. So in 2020, I launched the satellite called Connect Africa. But in the meantime, in 2015, Equity came to DRC and they were looking for people to sit in the board of the DRC. So I joined the board as a non-executive director from right that time. And in 2021, they bought the commercial bank called BCDC and want to extend the operation for the region. So with the headquarter in Kinshasa. So to develop the bank with the major of the two banks, Equity and BCDC, which became Equity BCDC, and with an objective of 20 million customers. So the board has asked me to join the management team and to support the business side of the operation. So which I accept with pleasure for me to be back in the DRC, my country of origin and nationality. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that global tour that is is your career. I'm interested to talk about your current role at EBCDC, but perhaps a little bit before we do, I wonder if you could tell us how this varied experience you've had from telecoms to pay TV to satellite has prepared you, do you think, for your current role at, at a bank, at a financial institution? Yes. What I noticed is my core competencies is distribution. So setting up a network, setting up point of sales, in a country, this is what I did for Celtel, for Digicel. And that's the competency that were needed for Canal Plus. So then if I had the communication skills, the, you know, business development, and then, so it was kind of a basis of what was required when I was at Digicel and also when I went for Microsoft. So I noticed that the product isn't really a matter because what was needed is the skills of setting up, of launching, of setting up a a channel where you can sell through the product. That's number one. Number two, the experience I got on the licensing uh, with Microsoft and also with uh, Utilsat on setting up the infrastructure for connectivity, for internet and across the various territories, I think that experience was very critical from where the bank wants to go moving forward. So actually the bank is trying to transform itself into a fintech, so the financial and technology company, because we're going digital, 
So it means platform, it means telecom infrastructure, it means distributions, it means spreading, being present in a vast country or like the DRC. So the experience of distribution, experience of telecom infrastructure, then platform was the combination of that core competencies was really critical for for my role at the bank as we are speaking. So I'm in charge of IT operations, the branches across the countries are also setting up a distribution network that we can franchise the basics services of the bank, meaning opening account. You don't need to come into a branch anymore. So you can do it by the store where you're living. So we try to adapt to the market. Uh, Africa is vast, DRC is vast, and it's complex. It has uh, challenges of uh, logistics. It has uh, challenges of finding the right point of uh, service next to where I sit. So that's prepared the experience, Digital, Microsoft, Pay TV, and also Utelsat prepared me for the role that I'm having now. Yes, I can see that. And just a few months ago, in fact, we had Charles Mudiwa, who's the CEO of Stanbeck in Kenya, talking to us about convergence and the sort of the battle for the retail segment of the market between traditional banks and fintech industry and payments businesses. So I'm, I'm really interested to, to talk to you about that, Jean-Claude, and to understand how you're bringing your combination of skills and experience to EBCDC. And if you give a sort of perspective on, on really how big you see the opportunity, how the payments business more generally is growing in, in DRC, and how you see your ability to penetrate sort of new and underserved or unserved markets, particularly in rural areas in Congo, through some of the technologies that you're looking at and rolling out. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't mention that in 2003, I launched what we called the, at that time CellPay. It was the mobile payment service called CellTel. So I was the project manager. So I got some of the experience in the payment. So that was early before the M-Pesa and Orange Money, what other payment services that are available across the Africa. So with that, I can say that, yes, there's a kind of a convergence between the telecom and the financial services. There are some initiatives that are sitting in between, like we have in the country on outside, we could see that people trying to bring platforms and connect through the banking service and also the telecom. So from our perspective as a bank, we said we need for the existence of the bank tomorrow, we need to make sure that we overcome the difficulties of, you know, the unserved, the vast territories of the country. So to go beyond what we have in major cities, we need to find ways. And one of the way is to uh, sit down with the telecoms and then we can use a mobile phone as a platform that can deliver the financial service. So whether the phone is connected with internet or not, so we can use the network resources called the USSD, so we can deliver then the financial services. So what we are doing now, we've launched pay with equity. So 
Wherever you are in the Congo, you can open a bank account through your phone, two-minute service. So we enable the resellers of vouchers, of recharge, of mobile payments. They become then the sub-agent or agent for the banking services across the country. So we could see that we are onboarding thousands of those people that are sitting particularly in the rural area. Given the fact that in the DRC, we have only 6% penetration of the banking service, so it means that the opportunity is very large. While we have in the country 41 million customers using a phone, uh, whether it's uh, Vodacom or Etal or Orange, etc. So it means that there is a room for delivering a financial inclusion, which starts by opening a bank account, then people in the rural area can access to credit, can access to financing of the project where they are living. So in whether it's in agriculture, whether it's in uh, trade, uh, it is in uh, distribution. Or so this is what we are actually deploying. The skills and experience of the telecom and also of distribution was required for the perspective that we envision at the bank at the moment. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that, Jean-Claude. I was obliquely aware about the sort of heavy emphasis that you as a, as a banking institution are placing on financial inclusion, but I wasn't aware about the low rates of banking penetration. You say 6% in DRC. That is a, a, both a massive challenge and a massive opportunity. I'm excited to see the sort of progress that you'll make going forward. Could you give us an indication of sort of the acceleration that you've been witnessing in terms of take up of payment solutions more recently? Yeah, what we've seen is, you know, the country is huge. The opportunity is there. So first step, we need education. We need to tell people that they needed the financial services. Then the opportunity here is to make sure that we capture that opportunity in the country with the offer that we can deliver to the market. So we couldn't do that using the traditional banking services through our branches. So we needed to open a new way of uh, going to the market. So that this is the reason why we're setting up a distribution network with agents that are doing both banking and also telecom so that we can approach the population that owns a phone already, and then they can subscribe, they can see the value of being served with banking service. So for us, it's critical for even the development of the Congo. So if people cannot access to financial services, they cannot access to credit, they cannot access to the basics of getting financed, then we can forget about uh, growth and we can forget about social impact in the rural areas. And we could see that people are moving away from the rural area and tend to come to big cities and, and establish. So we want to do the, the reverse. We want people to go because we have 80 uh, million hectares of land that can uh, develop the agriculture business in the country. So it means that we have a, a plan to finance 2 million uh, agriculture projects across the country 
So we need to go where the lands are. The land is in the deep Congo. So then we need to develop an infrastructure that will capture that uh, opportunity in the country. Fascinating. And that infrastructure is something you're developing in partnership, as you say, with agents and extending to all corners of the country or certainly an ambition to do so. Jean-Claude, I have a team of colleagues who do quite a lot of work on financial inclusion. They work directly with, with donors, with foundations, with some of the bigger fintech players, with mobile operators, with a, a broad spectrum of, of actors to try and really push the policies and regulations that are required to help get more people in, into the banking system, more people with access to credit, as you say. One of the bigger challenges that confronts them, I know is around KYC, know your customer. And mm-hmm. I wonder how you are addressing the, the sort of what I call identity infrastructure. How do you know who your customers are? What's the requirement for a rural farmer to set up an account? What do they need? Yeah, so in the country, lucky that the government has allowed people to have basic documentation from the town hall, from uh, any administrative office, whether in the village or um, in a city. So that it's possible. So like in a rural area, in a village uh, where people cannot have uh, a proper ID, then they will have two people will testify that they know the person for the last five to 10 years. So they can sign for that person and then take the picture because the phone solution that we launched in the country has the capacity of taking a picture uh, while processing a new bank account opening. So, so it means that we, in the application, we can just take a photo of the document that they will provide and then we, we take them a picture and then we record everything through into our system. So we will allow them to have basic transaction, actually up to $500, until they can provide a proven ID as per the regulation in the DRC. So as I said, lucky that the central bank has allowed in the country that that possibility. So it helps a lot for us to deploy. So we don't have that constraint in the country. We work in advance with the central bank to make sure that we understand what are the requirements on the rural areas and then also uh, make sure that we develop the rules and, uh, and regulation that applies to the reality of the Congolese people. Fascinating. And how does that compare with procedures in, in other countries, perhaps neighboring countries or countries within Africa? Yeah, but countries that are very advanced have been into Benin, for instance, everyone has an ID, uh, like in, uh, in Rwanda. We have equity in Rwanda, where they are in Kenya or in Tanzania. We could see that there are people that are left out because they cannot access proper ID, like in Burundi, like in Zimbabwe. Yeah, there are countries that are suffering from that. But as I said, depends on the regulation in the country. But lucky for us in the DRC, we could adjust ourselves according to the reality of our country. And like in Kenya, when you are onboarding a new customer, you have access from your platform, the national ID database provided by the government. So you can check and verify the ID, uh, picture and number and uh, credentials 
But in Congo, it's not possible. But that don't stop us to move forward. So, yeah, we comparable. We can deliver a service. That's the bottom line. So we adapt, we adjust, and then we can deliver the service. And the key lesson, I suppose, for those listening is the early stage engagement that you had with the regulators so that they understood what you were trying to do. Yeah, I think the, the regulation is we need to keep constant discussions because we are on the ground. We can talk, we can help them to understand and also to benchmark according to what we've seen in other countries. You know, my work at UTELSAT helped a lot because we have doors open in, in many countries. So we can benchmark and see what other people are doing, other countries are doing. So we can bring that on the table. So it enhances the discussion that we have, uh, we, we have with our local central bank here. But the very cooperative, uh, we could uh, agree and advance the service to the population of the Congo. Wonderful. I'd like to pick up on your experience at UTELSAT. You just mentioned it. So UTELSAT, for our audience's benefit, is a commercial satellite business headquartered in Paris, I think I'm right in saying, and operating globally. Those of us who, who perhaps weren't aware going into 2021 were made aware last year about the importance of the race for space what with Elon Musk and Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos all launching their own flights into space. There's lots of speculation as to why the imperative to get into space, whether they're trying to colonize a a new area that would provide them with some escape in the event of uh, global warming and generations to come, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there's probably something more to this, and I'm hoping that you're going to be able to tell us, Jean-Claude, what is the importance of satellite communications to connectivity going forwards and why this race for space? Yeah, I think, you know, we lacking of infrastructure in Africa, for instance, even in Europe. There are some places where the geography of the country do not allow to deploy the traditional uh, connectivity infrastructure. So like fiber or 3G, 4G, uh, 5G, it requires a complement service. That's where the satellite can play a critical role, and especially in Africa, where the cost of deployment of the infrastructure, the land infrastructure on the ground is very, very high. And the business model does not work because the far you go from the major cities, the cost is very high and the people are very poor. So it means that you cannot service Properly, the people that are very far from big cities are very far from the sea. Uh, So it means that they cannot benefit from good quality of service in connectivity. Uh, So that's where the satellite can play and will play for years to come uh, a critical role because it's a complement solutions for uh, rural areas, even for maybe sub-Aryan areas as well, because the repartition of the population in a country, it's also maybe uh, can challenge the business model. So while the satellite can cover so much space, 
with one engine up there. So for me, it's uh, connectivity. Uh, we could see even in the GRC that there are regions, there are places, there are even for the bank, we will use connect satellites to make sure that we reach and deliver the financial services in some places. So yeah, we could see that in France as well, there are a couple, three, four percent of the territory of France that will never go fiber because of the geography and the nature of the land. So the satellite will uh, always play a key and critical role to complement the delivery of the service in those rural areas. So the business model of the commercial satellite is we load as much as possible according to the capacity that we can allocate. And the new generation of satellites can also you know, have a flexible capacity that you can move from one area to another area within the same satellite. So it, it enables people to get the best connectivity, a good connectivity at the best price that in the country. Uh, we also see the government services. They want to make sure that connectivity has become part of normal utilities. So as what as for water, as for, for electricity. So the government is in need also for the government services to be delivered to everyone in the country. It requires that we have in place a, an infrastructure such as a satellite to complement and deliver that service. Oh, interesting. So the future of connectivity everywhere is a hybrid solutions, different complements of different technologies, depending on the, um, the specific geography. Really interesting. And is the cost of satellite communications coming down all the time? Yes, the cost is yeah. going, it's, it's coming down. Uh, we're getting also bigger satellites, um, more bigger satellites with much more capacity because demand is getting high on the ground. So the equation is bigger satellite, cheaper price, accessible service on the ground. So, you know, we are in the video era where everyone wants to watch a video. So it means that uh, we need higher capacity. Uh, so it means bigger satellite and the bigger satellite you get, the cheaper you can get it. So yeah, it's a combination of that. This is what is going to happen and it's happening now actually. How interesting. This may seem a, a peculiar question, but um, I'm going to put it out there anyway, not least given your experience in the entertainment sector and working for Canal Plus. To what degree are organizations, perhaps financial sector organizations, financial services providers looking at entertainment in a sort of triple play or quadruple play for customers? Is that something that you're entertaining? Excuse the pun. Uh, yes, because, you know, in um, rural areas, we don't have much to do. People do not have much to watch because of, you know, uh, they are far away from, from centers. Yeah, they need uh, entertainment. What we're doing for us is when we onboard uh, franchises or agents in the rural areas, uh, we want to make sure that they have, they have a pay TV connection so that they can set up like a public places where people of the village can watch TV, can uh, watch a movie, they can listen to news on TVs, etc. They can also, uh, we, 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 we tend to see that they, there are some, uh, even classes that you can watch from your TV. Yes, so, I was just thinking that, <laughs> education. Yeah, we, we want people 
to benefit, to enjoy of watching TV uh, during uh, the evenings. And then during the day, they can get connected to Wi-Fi. So yeah, satellite is required and they can transact, receive money, uh, send money uh, out. They can apply for credit. They can um, finance their project, their agriculture businesses. So it's, it goes together, especially yes. in a rural area. So convergence is happening at a greater and faster pace. And you're giving us a, a snapshot really into the future of, well, I, I hesitate to call it the financial sector because it's a sort of converged sector, isn't it, going forward? But really interesting. Are we delivering a financial inclusion program as well? So it started with education and then uh, budgeting and then financing, savings, etc. So yeah, for us, it, it's a combination of uh, those services that will make more enjoyable of our rural area. So then we keep people over there busy so that they know they do not come into big cities. Ah, interesting, Jean-Claude. Well, thank you. I can see why um, James Mwangi, CEO of Equity Bank Group, um, wanted to bring you on board in a full-time capacity. The combination <laughs> of the, the different experience that you've had and presumably your, your ability to, to try and lead a, an institution that, frankly, traditional banks are not known for their innovation. They're more known for their sort of bricks and mortar infrastructure. But you're trying to lead the institution, certainly in the DRC, into the future. And that's a very different future from the way banks have traditionally operated. I wonder if I could ask you, to what degree do you find it a struggle to make your value proposition to customers, frankly, more compelling than rival fintech providers who maybe be more innovative and more agile than yourself, even the telco companies? We pursue a different route, a new way of delivering service to tell people. I think it's more enjoyable, it's more acceptable, it's more welcomed than, uh, you know, the suit person, traditional banking person. So I have a different language, way of talking to people as we used to, to do in telecoms and uh, entertainment area. So it's more than welcome, we could see from the few months that I spent now into, in, in my new role. And on the other hand, we are lucky at uh, Equity, as you said, James uh, Mwangi and the board of uh, Equity is very keen to innovative uh, ideas. Uh, we are really thinking ahead because what is, will happen is we want to deliver the banking service in a new fashion of doing it compared to brick and mortar we all knew from past years. So the challenge is just the logistic. The challenge is the uh, level of education in the rural area, but they adopted it uh, very quickly. So in the villages, you could see people, they have their own phone and they accepted it and they can spend some money on it. So now using the phone, they can access to the bank saying, that, okay, the, the bank is not the brick and mortar anymore. Your bank is on the phone so you can receive money. You can send money to people. You can apply for a loan to send your kid to school. And then you can also apply for credit. You know, it's changed the perception of the bank. So it's become more friendly financial services than uh, a traditional banking services. 
Thank you, Jean-Claude. Thank you for giving us those insights. I have one, um, one final question for you, if I may. And it's a, it's a question I ask almost all of the persons who are kind enough to appear on this podcast. Can you tell us what you're reading at the moment and what music you're listening to? I'm actually not reading. I'm writing a book. Uh, ah. <laughs> I'm writing a book that's called Complice et Audacieux. I need to find a good translator to English for that. Complice Audacieux is a book that uh, will tell my story, my uh, professional experience. I've been to 74 countries in the world. I hold 14 driving licenses. So I want to tell people what happened from 1996 to now, what experience, what I learned in the U.S., in, the, in Australia, in Europe, in, uh, in Africa, in Asia, what I've seen, you know, when I was in, with Canal Plus, uh, I, was, I was also in charge of Vietnam. So I traveled a lot in the Asia. I'm trying to, to, you know, to summarize the best of what I've seen so that I can share with my fellow Congolese and my fellow people, uh, African people, to tell them it's possible, you know, given the fact that I went to school here in, in Africa. So you don't need necessarily to have a diploma from Europe to be successful in, in Africa. So yes, this is what I'm doing uh, currently. Music, but this is not my um, best. Prefer to watch a series on TV. And on Netflix, I love to see Mr. Underwood, House of Cut. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> Frank Underwood uh, is my best actor. So, yeah, this is what I do on a daily basis. And uh, Sundays, I go to church to recognize that what has God has made in my life. Well, wonderful. Well, uh, a Congolese who doesn't listen to music, that is, um, that's put paid to the stereotype that most of us foreigners have, that all Congolese love and adore music. And I, like you, I'm a fan of House of Cards. I warn you, if you're still watching it, it gets more sinister and darker and darker as the series progresses. I don't know if you've watched the original English series. It came from a book, of course. I revisited the English series last year, which, which was interesting to watch as well. I'd recommend that too. Just to, to recap, your book, when authored, is called Complice Audacieuse. I'm trying to do the English translation as you were speaking. I'm not sure I've got it right, but would it be sort of bold complicity or something of that, that nature? We will have the English version. They are working on it. I think in the next two weeks, we will launch simultaneously available on Amazon and accessible globally. Wow. Well, that's great. And I look forward to reading that. On my Twitter handle, I was just visiting it yesterday in conversation with a colleague, but I've got a quote that says, none of the challenges facing humanity can be addressed or solved without Africans. And, and you've, you've demonstrated that. You've, you've been a global citizen working all over the world to solve one business or development challenge after another. You've given us a really good insight into your role over your career, really at the coalface of innovation. And also some insight into the future, I think, in terms of the future of retail financial services and the pace of convergence between these different sectors that are all converging, particularly in the retail space. So thank you for sharing that. I'm so grateful for your time. Thanks so much, Jean-Claude. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you for inviting me. It's uh, very appreciated. 
you for tuning into a Voices of Africa podcast this week. Voices of Africa is a forum where Africa's leading experts weigh in on cross-sectional topics affecting the continent. Experts share their views on how we can unlock greater value that will benefit industry, government, and communities. For more of our insights, visit our website or subscribe to our weekly newsletter, Views on Africa, in the description.